This is District Sentinel Radio. I'm Sam Sachs. I'm Sam Knight. We're broadcasting out of the Middle East Report studio in Washington, D.C. Bless you. <laughs> Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. Right. No, that's fine. Okay, we'll I tried. Leave, we'll I... leave in the sneeze. We've, uh, we've got another mammal in studio with us, like the dog. Uh, there's a third Sam gaming out in the newsroom, too. So we've got a packed house here. Uh, in lieu of a newscast today, we have an interview coming up with a guy who's running for Congress in the state of Washington, trying to unseat a Democrat from the left. We'll tell you more about that in just a minute. But, uh, Sam, you've got an update on uh, some stuff going on this afternoon here in uh, D.C. and, well, actually around the country. Around the country, around the world. world. Yeah, it, uh, the Uber strike saw, is today. Uh, yeah, I saw Corbyn tweeting about it. Corbyn tweeted about it. There are actions all over the UK. There were actions in Australia, uh, as uh, some of you late night owls, I'm sure, were aware, browsing the Twitter at 1 a.m. or whatever. What, was Amy Therese talking shit about it or something? <laughs> <laughs> she probably doesn't even know what's going on because she's too busy ranting at uh, some Twitter account with like 10 followers. But the uh, yeah, the, the the strike is going on around the world. Uh, I think it's too early to say what kind of impact it's having. Anecdotally, we're seeing that at least rates are higher. Uh, so I think... Uh, a lot of drivers are staying off the road, probably pushing a lot of passengers into taking alternative modes of transportation. Like, uh, even if they're not aware of the strike, they might be looking at their Uber app and saying, holy shit, this ride costs 30 bucks. Fuck that. Yeah. So we hope that's going on. Uh, the coverage hasn't always been uh, too favorable, as, as I'm sure that does not surprise anyone. Uh, kind of seeing some sneering from some mainstream journalists like, buh, well, there are still Ubers picking people up uh, at LaGuardia, is what the New York Times report was. Well, no shit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, I don't think anyone's expecting a 100% strike uh, rate here. And here in D.C., what we've been organizing around is just a rally, just a solidarity rally. We want and support people to strike. We, we're supporting that. But we understand that, like, uh, you know, a lot of people can't afford to take a single shift off. And that's nothing to sneer at. And you can sneer at someone like Josh Barrow deciding to just ride Uber all day long to point A, point B. It doesn't matter just to tweet about it. Did he tweet about that? No, but I'm sure he will. <laughs> <laughs> he probably will. But anyway, tonight, uh, Drive United, the group I've been involved with, is staging a solidarity rally at National Airport. We are rallying drivers beforehand at a nearby uh, parking lot, and we're going to take a convoy. We're going to take a few laps around the uh, airport uh, driver lane there, and you know we're going to have our presence felt, hopefully. And uh, it it should be really exciting. And also, and crucially, we're going to have a contingent of non-drivers there who want to support, or just drivers who don't want to take part in the convoy. We're having people show up to National Airport uh, at the same time at, at 8.30. They're meeting at the National Airport Metro at 8.30, Terminals B and C. And uh, they're going to walk over to the uh, arrivals 
uh, and cheer as our convoy goes as by. As the convoy goes around and We've round. We've got a great big convoy. <laughs> da, 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 da. Look, kids, Big Ben, Parliament Building. <laughs> no, it'll be good. Uh, Sam showed me the banner, uh, which is cool as hell, and some of his homemade signs, which are good as well. So uh, if you're in the area, check it out or wherever uh, it's going down in your neck of the woods. Also, you may have seen this. Bernie has posted a video interviewing uh, two of the drivers with Drive United, Stan and Isidro. And last I checked, it had almost 140,000 views. Uh, it's very well done. And uh, it's been cool seeing the Sanders campaign uh, interest in this protest. And uh, yeah, maybe I'll have more to say about that later, but I don't know. Uh, no segue here, but the worst tweet tournament is uh, still underway. We're now down to the Fungal Four. Congrats <laughs> to our regional champions, the Acela Corridor region. David Frum, defending champion, beginning to think that he is definitely going to repeat this year. We have the Resistors regional champion, uh, Jenny, uh, with her tweet about uh, Snoop Dogg and Nancy Pelosi. We've got the uh, Celebrity Land Clown politician region where jack twitter founder jack has emerged with his tweet apologizing to candace owens and in the extremely online region we have that peter fox who uh a lot of upsets all around i, I wouldn't have picked this fungal four but that peter fox advances with uh his tweet claiming that uh the word palestine is a form of is just like misgendering uh, people. So really bad tweets all around. Not saying that they're not deserving, but pretty unpredictable fungal four here. Um, I do think for, from this point on, from will dominate, but his toughest challenge will come in this next matchup, in the fungal four matchup against Jenny. That's, uh, that's going to be tough. That is going to be tough. I think the only uh, surprise to me personally is Jack. I... Uh, I mean, it's an awful tweet, but yeah. we've got some pretty bad stinkers in here. I think a lot of people were noting that the Huckabee tweet is actually good. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad, it's good. Kind of like the Kevin Smith tweet. Uh, Except I, from, there is... From yesteryear. Well, there is some doubt about uh, Kevin Smith. Like, he was doing it already as an irony thing. And yeah. uh, it's hard to imagine Mike Huckabee really on, on that many layers of irony. <laughs> All right, we'll get to the interview here. I guess one news item we should mention, uh, the looming constitutional crisis created entirely from the blatant criminality of the U.S. president and the just astonishing negligence of the Democratic Speaker of the House. Uh, today, Trump asserted executive privilege over the entire Mueller report, uh, preventing Democrats from trying to uh, to get it through subpoena. Um you know, he was a major subject of this Mueller report, and he's now uh, asserting executive privilege over it, uh, which will set up a legal battle should Democrats go down that road. It could also just be another clause in uh, an impeachment resolution. But Nancy Pelosi uh, has already said the Democrats won't pursue impeachment, thus signaling nothing matters at all until November 2020. The president can do literally whatever he wants uh, Democrats won't pursue impeachment, so he's doing just that, whatever he wants at this point. I, uh, I, I should note that on this show, I had sort of uh, 
been a little blase toward impeachment, but that was always in the context of you're not going to impeach him, but still document his crimes right, yeah. None and, of, yeah, and prosecute him after well, he's you, out of you're office. Gonna, yeah, I mean, you, you can, I think you can definitely uh, impeach him, get an impeachment resolution out of the House. Uh, but yeah, it's, nobody thinks he's going to be removed from office by Republicans in the Senate. But they need to be... As Congress, they need to be documenting his, his yes. very obvious crimes with a view of holding him to account. And Nancy Pelosi uh, just thinks, well, we can hold him to account at the ballot box. It's awful. All right. So going into 2020, we are all wondering what the Bernie Sanders effect will be on the presidential race. But we're also wondering what the AOC effect might be on down ballot races. Uh, you could argue that. Uh, the AOC effect itself was caused by the Bernie effect, but we'll save that for another day. Yeah. Today, we have an interview with one candidate who's looking to replicate what Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez did, but in Washington State's 10th Congressional District. Joshua Collins is a truck driver who supports Medicare for All and the Green New Deal, and you can find his website at joshua2020.com or on Twitter at Joshua for Congress, for being the number four, Joshua, the number four Congress. Anyway, Collins joined us via Skype from Las Vegas, where he happened to pop in on a Joe Biden rally, and we started by asking him to tell us how that went. I've, I've actually never been to a presidential rally before, uh, even the Bernie Sanders campaign, uh, but going, it was very disappointing. Um, I, I, I don't know. I've seen like town halls with like over like, I don't know, street signs that had more people there. Um, there was about 30 people who maybe weren't uh, like part of his campaign um, in total, maybe like like 50, 60 people there. And most of them were press or very obviously like staffers um, or interns, et cetera. Um, a lot of the people there, uh, there were there were union members, uh, maybe about. 10 of them uh and they were all in like union t-shirts uh they just kind of stood there with their arms crossed um and then they started leaving about i would say five to ten minutes after joe biden arrived they started taking off even while i was talking joe biden paper tiger they claim he's up 30 points in the polls but i mean if you're if your story i mean if your anecdote here is any indication uh he probably won't last there much longer and it's just people who who are buying into this idea that he is uh, a champion of labor and quickly realizing he's not. Yeah. You know, I, I listened to his speech and it was, um, he was taking uh, lines from both Bernie Sanders and Obama. Um, <laughs> so he has no real ideas of, of his own, um, except for really terrible ones that he knows if he says them, they, He's going to go down in the polls even worse. No, um, he's kind of got a uh, a low energy Jeb kind of vibe, uh, despite him being the front runner. Maybe that's just me uh, being some doing some wishful thinking. Please clap. Uh, he uh, not 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 to make light of something that shouldn't be joked about, but did, he didn't happen to make any jokes about what a creep he is, like he uh, has been in past appearances. Uh, no, he didn't make any jokes, but he did ask if anyone in the crowd benefited from Trump's tax cuts and a surprisingly large number of them actually raised their hands, which I thought was kind of funny. <laughs> they, they probably didn't. I don't. <laughs> so are you uh, doing anything else interesting in Vegas right now for the campaign or just in general? 
you know, I actually, I went to high school here and I have family here. So we were uh, staying the night here. Um, and then I'm going to take a bus to, uh, to LA and stay there for one night. Uh, cause I have several interviews there, which is, includes the young Turks and, uh, the Kim Iverson show. Um, so I'm going to go get those done in person. Um, and then I'm going to go back on the road. So interesting. And it's so turning, uh, to other issues about uh, the campaign or maybe, I don't know if the issues is the right word, broader uh, uh, themes that come up uh, in your campaign is what's it like being, you know, a, a working class guy and, and being a truck driver running for Congress? Uh, are you still driving right now in campaigning part time? And uh, also, I got to ask the uh, another obvious question, which is, uh, did you draw inspiration from AOC uh, when you decided to run? Uh, yeah. So, um, when, well, I guess I'll start with the first question. So I am a truck driver and I'm on my fifth year as a truck driver. I'm also an owner operator, which means I get to, uh, kind of decide when I work and when I don't work. And I also get to decide where I go or don't go. So, um, I intentionally was paid to take, bring freight over to LA and then take, uh, you know, a couple of days off here Whereas normally I would take my time off at home or whatever city I'm stuck in, right? Um, so that makes it a bit easier. So if I want to do something like a Young Turks interview in person or have a meeting with uh, someone, someone who ran for office in person, then I can always do that just by, you know, stopping by in their city with, uh, you know, my job, <laughs> which makes it kind of kind of easier to do that, right? Right. Because uh, so normally it, you'd have to pay for a flight or something. And, yeah. You know that's. But I mean, yeah. it it does, uh, you know, it makes a difference owning your own rig, I guess, versus whether mm -hmm. if you worked for a trucking company, doing this sort of thing and running for Congress might not even be an option unless you just sort of quit your job. Exactly. Yeah. So if um, if I were working for someone and I said, hey, I want to go to this area and then I want to take uh, an extra day off, they would just tell me to screw off. And they would, you know, uh, yeah, because uh, it's. And also, by the way, I have left-wing politics. I'm sure. I'm sure you will love that too, Mr. Manager. Uh, is 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 how the conversation would go very well. So, so Joshua, tell us tell us about the 10th district. What's the constituency like? Well, it's a it's a very unusual district. Um, so, I, I guess I got to explain first. So, Dennis Heck has been in politics for over 40 years. Um, and in that time, he has become a multimillionaire. He's worth around $12 million. Um, he was running for Congress for the first time uh, in his home district, which is uh, it's just north of um, Portland. So it's like south, southern Washington, right? And he lost his race to a Republican pretty embarrassingly. Um, he, was, he had more money and he still lost. And... Then they redistricted and created the 10th district just for him, right? They made sure it was just blue enough that he could win, but not blue enough that um, a progressive would have uh, a significant advantage, right? Um, so it, it includes, it, it's a very oddly shaped district. It includes Olympia, which is the capital, and like the metro area of that. Um, then it also includes part of Tacoma which is a, a more like uh, like working class district. Um, it includes Yelm, which is a, 
kind of a rich um, conservative and liberal uh, area. Um, and then uh, it kind of goes east and, and south to some more rural areas as well. Um, and most, it all, oh yeah, more importantly, actually, it also includes um, an entire military base. Uh, so, and, that, and that's JBLM. Um, and those votes almost never go to uh, the Democrat. So. Hmm. I remember when I worked on uh, Capitol Hill for a pretty moderate Democrat, there was a military base in the district and it got most of the attention uh, of the mm -hmm. office. Yeah, so my plan, because those votes typically don't go to Democrat, um, I'm going to do this crazy thing. We're actually um, offer them some uh, real plans that will improve their lives and the lives of uh, people they know. Um, and I'm also going to have a robust gun policy, an anti-war policy, um, and uh, an actual path for us to stop uh, doing all these regime change wars and instead bring our troops home to work on uh, you know, saving us from our, our biggest threats, which are things like climate change and poisoned water and a crumbling infrastructure. Well, I can see that uh, looking at uh, his Open Secrets profile, I see that Denny Heck... Uh, one of his top contributors is Boeing, so I'm sure he mm -hmm. I'm sure he won't be uh, thrilled about. Surely it's uh, just the passenger planes. <laughs> Surely it's just the passenger right. planes he cares about. Uh, also, right. also big on the uh, securities and investment, uh, uh, getting from mm -hmm. them uh, on his contributions. Yeah. Uh, so his top uh, donors, um, uh, aside from the military industrial complex, are the banks and the real estate investment uh, firms. Um, so a lot of um, real estate investment people donate to him, while his district has one of the highest homeless rates uh, in the country. It sounds like he is, I don't know, ripe for the taking. I think no one thought that Joe Crowley could be taken down before uh, AOC ousted him. I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe he's there. How, how would, if you did get elected, let's say, I, I know you know, maybe be superstitious and not think ahead to the next step, et cetera. Maybe it's just playoff basketball season. That's why I'm thinking that. But theoretically, if you did get elected, how do you think uh, you would try to deal with uh, Democratic leadership in the House? Yeah, I guess Pelosi's there till 2022, I think, is the deal she's made. Uh, well, my my biggest thing is I'm going to be openly calling out the issues with the leadership. Um, I'm Running as a Democrat, but I'm I wouldn't consider myself uh, a real Democrat, and you know a lot of establishment types would use that as an insult. But I, I uh, will proudly say I'm not a real Democrat. Um, I, I don't uh, subscribe to this liberal ideology where um, you know you prior you put um, you know corporations above the working class. Um, I, I don't uh, agree with that. You can c call yourself a humanitarian and you know, progressive while you're also doing war all over the, the world and denying your own people health care um, and allowing, you know, wages to be low, et cetera. So, um, you know, I, I'm going to be very vocally opposing um, a lot of the liberal agenda of people like Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. So, Well, uh, certainly hope you uh, get the chance to do that. So as a truck driver, uh, that gives you, I guess, unique insight into some issues. You uh, are a supporter uh, of the Green New Deal. What's your take mm -hmm. on the uh, hesitance to take on the fossil fuel industry 
because of the economic impact it might have on industries like truck driving? Well, um, as we saw in France, um, when uh, a liberal, like centrist uh, government tries to um, transition to green energy by, uh, you know, taxing the, the poor and the, and, and the, middle, the working class people, um, you know, it's not going to end well. Um, so what I think we need to do is make sure that the, um, while we are transitioning from, uh, you know, fossil fuels to clean energy, we ensure that the, the working class people like truck drivers, the same, they were the same people who were, you know, rioting in France over carbon taxes. Um, we need to make sure the truck drivers, the, you know, the, um, forklift drivers, anyone who's being affected by these like changes, um, will be taken care of well. Right. And that includes coal miners, which there aren't that many of, but we still need to take care of them as well. Um, and that includes a lot of a lot of plans, so a lot of uh, aspects, because different people have different needs. Um, the uh, you know the the younger truck drivers like me can you know be reeducated or um, you know get a free education to go into another industry or you know an apprenticeship to learn a different trade, uh, etc. And that should be all taken care of. Um, and we should also, you know, uh, take care of, you know, the middle class, pe the, the middle aged people who, you know, maybe they just need to be given a, a different job that doesn't require, um, you know, so much time and uh, education. And the older folks, some of them are going to need to be able to retire. Um, and because realistically, when you talk about someone who is, you know, in their 60s, has been a truck driver for 40 years, they've sold their body to the industry. They spent 40 years, you know, 30, 40 years driving, uh, you know, 11 hours a day, um, you know, sitting a lot of their time and, uh, you know, spending, you know, 60, 70 hours a week at working. So they're, they're not exactly in the best shape to go into, you know, some manual labor or anything like that. So um, I think we need to have a path for them. And how I, I believe we should do this is by banning automated trucks until all of those people have a path for, uh, you know, what what they're going to be doing after that. Um, there is no societal benefit of implementing automated trucks um, in, in this system because when we automate the trucks, the corporations are not going to pass the savings on to consumers. All of that savings on labor is going to go towards shareholders and executive uh, bonuses. So I think we should ensure that the workers are taken care of. Um, and so if we hold off on the automated trucks until, you know, everyone is uh, able to transition, then, you know, we can ensure that we aren't, you know, just making our suicide rates go through the roof, divorce rates, you know, homelessness rates, et cetera. A lot of truck drivers are high school educated. They don't really have any other skills. They, you know, they, they uh, live in their trucks a lot of the time. And if you take that away from them, their life will be destroyed. And this is over almost 4 million truck drivers with about 6 million uh, other jobs attached to those jobs, which includes things like diesel mechanics, et cetera. Um, and, I, and what I'm proposing is that we prioritize the people being affected by automation above the needs of the corporations who just want to hurry up and replace the people with uh, AI. Yeah, that's that's an interesting proposal. I mean, you talk to uh, 
whoever that's working in this industry, they say that within the next five to 10 years, all the trucks might be automated. We know Elon Musk is working hard on this stuff on uh, automated Mm -hmm. trucks as well. And as you noted, I mean, being a truck driver is a very difficult job. People have given their bodies Mm -hmm. to this industry. It's good if we're able to eventually automate these jobs, but only if we can ensure that the benefits of that automation flow to the working class and not to uh, a few sh- corporate shareholders. Exactly. And and also, um, uh, I mean, one thing that people don't understand is some of the jobs in the trucking industry can never be automated. They're just so difficult that you can't really have a machine take care of them. But a lot of those jobs are the more physically demanding jobs. Um, I've done several of them. Uh, one of them was I uh, directly delivered mattresses to like Costco's and, and Walmart's and like mattress stores. Um, something like that, where you have to have a person, you know, back into very difficult spots, um, and, you know, physically unload the freight, uh, and, and similar, I did the same thing with, uh, you know, I delivered to subways, you know, I went to small little areas in the middle of the night and, you know, physically unloaded the most of the freight, right. Um, something like that can't be automated, but those are the most physically demanding jobs and a large portion of the truckers are you know people with disabilities or just incapable of doing those jobs the vast majority of americans couldn't do those jobs it's backbreaking work um and what i think we should do is um also improve the conditions for those jobs and that that requires us to focus on how many hours per work those workers work um a a typical truck driver even the ones doing that backbreaking work works about 60 to 70 hours per week um now that means there's a lot of work to be done but it's all being done by about half the people that it should be done by. So if we uh, increase the wages um, and uh, you know made it more like normalized a 40 or 35 hour work week, then you know you could have those workers making the same amount of time uh, or making the same amount of money um, and having a healthier work life balance, while also uh, freeing up that labor for other workers to do. Um, and that is one way we can make room for some of the truck drivers who will be taken off of the long haul uh, because their jobs will be automated away. One uh, last question more on your campaign. Uh, what, what do you see as uh, sort of the toughest challenges of uh, of your campaign and, and taking on uh, an entrenched incumbent? And where are you at right now, uh, sort of in the process of your campaign or, uh, you know, do you like, are you knocking on doors and stuff, uh, et cetera? Uh, just wondering uh, how that sort of thing is going. Yeah. So, um, right now we are working on building an army of volunteers. Um, you know, we are never going to outraise my opponent. He spends one and a half million on a regular cycle. Um, and we can expect him to spend more if he has a serious challenger. Um, so, you know, money is important, but it's not nearly as important as having a lot of volunteers right now. We have, uh, around 150 people signed up to volunteer around a hundred of them are in my district. So those are the, or, or nearby. So those are the people who can physically knock on doors for me. Um, and we are shooting for a thousand volunteers at least, um, to get us through the primary. And then, you know, after that, we are going to work even harder to, uh, win the general, um, so that is our whole strategy. Um, you know, I, I took it from uh, someone you may have heard of, Ocasio-Cortez. Um, she knocked on a lot of doors, and that was their whole plan, and it worked very well for them. 
Um, I have more people in my district, um, so you know we do have to knock more doors. Um, so that's our plan is to just you know uh, play the numbers game and just knock on as many doors as we can. And um, our goal is uh, you know well uh, well over two hundred fifty thousand doors that we're going to hit. Um, and if we do that, then I'm pretty sure we can win. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, I, I do believe I've heard of her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Joshua Collins, yeah. truck driver running for Congress in Washington's 10th congressional district, supporter of Medicare for All, supporter of the Green New Deal. Where can people go to find out more information about your campaign? Uh, well, my website is joshua2020.com. Uh, that has all of my social links, my email links, uh, volunteer sign up um, and donation link as well. Uh, we have both CrowdPack and Act Blue, so uh, anyone can donate on whichever platform they'd like. Um, uh, you know, my my Twitter is Joshua for Congress. Instagram is the same, um, and those are typically where you can find me. My brain is so ruined by Twitter that when I uh, heard you say Joshua2020.com, I thought he's running for president, folks. He's running. <laughs> he's running. <laughs> Thanks yeah, I'll, I'll need 10 more years before I'm old enough. There we ten, go. 10 more years. 10 more years. <laughs> Please come on our show to announce. Th- th- thank you, uh, Joshua. Thanks, Josh. Yeah, you guys have a good one. Thanks again to Joshua Collins and best of luck. I know we shouldn't be cheering on politicians, but his policies and message uh, seem all right. Indeed. We'll end things there. Thanks to our sponsors, the Congressional Dish podcast hosted by Jen Briney. Find it at congressionaldish.com. Another sponsor, the Middle East Report. Find it at merip.org. Consider subscribing at patreon.com slash district sentinel to get the full newscast Monday through Thursday. We'll be back tomorrow. We're here in D.C. so that you don't have to be.